It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, April 18th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Russia surrounds the port city of Mariupol as the war in Ukraine intensifies. U.S. natural gas surges to a 13-year high. Jay Powell may reinforce bets that the Fed raises interest rates by a half percentage point next month. And Bank of America kicks off a busy week of earnings. New York's mayor and police commissioner address shootings in the city. Plus, officials in New Jersey are looking into a link between a high school and brain cancer. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Heartbreak for the Nets. They lost at the buzzer in Boston. The Mets won 5 to nothing. The Yankees lost 5 to nothing. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street. S&P futures are down about 19 points this morning. Dow futures down 83. And NASDAQ futures down about 84. The Nikkei 225 in Japan was down 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. Yield 2.86%. Yield on the two-year 2.48%. Nine crude oil. Oil down three tenths percent or thirty cents at one hundred six dollars sixty five cents a barrel. Comex gold up one point two percent. It's at one thousand nine hundred ninety seven dollars eighty cents an ounce. In Nathan. All right, Karen. Thanks. Well, more on the markets in a minute. First, we need to bring you the latest on the war in Ukraine. The Russian military says it has the port city of Mariupol surrounded as it prepares for a new offensive in the eastern Donbas region. Meantime, Ukrainian officials say at least six people have been killed in Russian strikes on Lviv. That's a western city that's been a haven for people fleeing the war. We get more in this report from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. In his daily address, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky reiterated his country's resolve to fight the Russian forces in the Donbass region, saying that peace talks with Russia have reached a dead end. Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shemail tells ABC's This Week their forces remain ready to defend Ukraine, quote, to the end. We still are fighting and we have battle in uh, Donbass region right now, but we do not 
do not have intention to surrender. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials will be in Washington for this week's meetings of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank to look for financial support. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, President Zelensky is urging the President of the United States to visit Kyiv and see the devastation for himself. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba says a meeting between the two leaders could pave the way for new supplies and weapons, as well as discussions on ending the war. We would be uh, happy to see him uh, in our country, and it would be an important message of support to us. And Foreign Minister Kuleba spoke on CBS's Face the Nation, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. White House aides have said they hope to send a senior official to Ukraine in the coming days. President Biden has said he wants to visit, but the White House says neither he nor Vice President Harris will make the trip. Well, their war in Ukraine is continuing to have an impact on energy markets, Karen. U.S. natural gas prices are trading at a 13-year high this morning. Suppliers are struggling to meet a post-pandemic surge in consumption. While turning to the economy now, Nathan, Jay Powell may reinforce bets that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates by 50 basis points next month. The Fed chair will speak at two events on Thursday, including a panel hosted by the International Monetary Fund. Ahead of that, the Fed issues its report caught in the U.S. economy on Wednesday. Bloomberg's Vinnie Daljudice has more. The magnitude of upcoming interest rate increases may well depend on the Fed's economic intelligence. The Beige Book will provide fodder for next month's policy meeting. Inflation is running at the fastest pace since the early 1980s, and the prior Beige Book reported an elevated degree of uncertainty. Also on this week's economic calendar, variety figures on the property market, builder confidence, housing starts, and existing home sales. Rising mortgage rates are an issue. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Now, history suggests the Fed will face a difficult task in tightening monetary policy enough to cool inflation without causing a recession. We get more live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. There is about a 35% risk of a recession over the next two years. That's according to Goldman Sachs. And economists there say the Fed's main challenge is to reduce the gap between jobs and workers and slow wage growth to a pace consistent with its 2% inflation goal. They say the Fed would need to do that by tightening financial conditions enough to reduce job openings without sharply raising unemployment. But achieving a so-called soft landing may be tough. Historically, large declines in the gap in the U.S. have only occurred during recessions. And Goldman's chief economist says a recession is not inevitable because post-COVID normalizations in labor supply and durable goods prices will help the Fed. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, turning to the equity markets, much of Europe, along with Australia and Hong Kong, remain shut for Easter. But earnings remain in focus with nearly 70 companies in the S&P 500 reporting this week. As Bloomberg's Shanali Basic reports, banks will once again be front and center this morning. As Bank of America reports earnings today, investors will keep an eye on whether net interest income will continue to rise as interest rates rise, or will interest rates start to impact consumer demands for loans. Trading has also held up at most of the major banks, despite investors' fears of a major slowdown. Will Bank of America also be able to keep steady in equities trading and fixed income and commodities, as some of the other banks have started to benefit more than investors expected? In New York, I'm Shanali Basic, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Shanali. Thank you. Shares of Twitter are up about 2% in early trading as the Elon Musk saga continues. Over the weekend, Musk said the economic interests of Twitter's board are not aligned with shareholders. Musk tweeted the comments after the social media company took steps to ward off his takeover attempt. 
Shares of China's Didi Global are down more than 20 percent. The company said it'll hold an extraordinary general meeting next month to vote on delisting its shares from the New York Stock Exchange. It's a sign the ride-hailing giant is heeding Beijing's call to address concerns about how its data is handled abroad. And turning to the pandemic, Karen, Shanghai has reported its first deaths in the midst of China's biggest COVID flare-up. Tens of millions have been barred from leaving their homes. That's led to criticism that China's zero-COVID policy is inflicting too heavy a social and economic toll. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 41 degrees in Central Park. Quiet start so far getting in this morning. We'll see if that holds up in the traffic report shortly. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City residents are still recovering from the terrifying shooting of 10 people inside the New York City subway and a subsequent 30-hour manhunt. It comes as many New Yorkers are sharing their fears of rising crimes in their city. New York Mayor Eric Adams says that people should stay vigilant when they encounter violence both on the street and on the web. I think social media uh, must step up. There's a corporate responsibility. Um, When we are watching hate brew online, uh, we could identify uh, using artificial intelligence and other methods to identify those who are talking about violence. New York City Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell agrees with Mayor Adams and praised the work of the entire city last week. We had a number of people looking for him, hundreds of detectives looking for him. But I think one of the key factors also is our force force multiplier, which are the eyes and ears of our incredible New Yorkers, and we were able to bring him into custody. Commissioner Sewell and Mayor Adams spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. New Jersey officials are investigating a possible alarming link between cases of brain cancer and students and staff at Colonia High School in the town of Woodbridge, spanning about three decades. So far, 105 people have contracted brain tumors, about half of them cancerous. Environmental engineers are now testing the grounds for contamination. Dr. Arif Kamal is the chief patient officer for the American Cancer Society. To see any number in the dozens in any particular area, even over a period of 25 years, is highly unusual and and requires some investigation. Dr. Arif Kamal says the results are expected at the end of the month. Philadelphia is bringing back the indoor mask mandate today due to a rise in COVID infections. The mandates are returning. Mask mandates are returning today to the University of Connecticut. Companies owned by far-right radio host Alec Jones filed for bankruptcy after being hit by a flurry of lawsuits. Jones and his companies last year were found liable in a defamation lawsuit brought by relatives of children killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook school massacre after Jones called the shootings a hoax. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. A lot of hype to this first-round playoff series that began in Boston. Nets, of course, bringing the star power with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Game one did not disappoint for excitement. Nets went from down 15 to up five. They were up one when a Durant miss led to the final possession. Here's how it sounded, WBZ in Boston. Nine seconds to go. Jalen turns the corner on Dragic. Eight seconds, kick out, left side, smart, up picks, finds the cutter, Tatum spins, lays it up and in to beat the buzzer. It's over, it's over. The Celtics have won the ball game at the buzzer.
115-114. Tatum played all but three minutes, scored 31 points. Kyrie poured in 39, 18 in the fourth quarter. Each shot seemingly harder than the last one, but Durant held the 23 shots, just 9 of 24. Epic game one, game two Wednesday in Boston. The home teams all won. Miami over Atlanta. The Heat held Hawkstar Trey Young to one for 12 shooting. Milwaukee beat Chicago. Phoenix beat New Orleans. The Mets have now played three series. They've won them all. 5 nothing over Arizona. City Field as David Peterson and four relievers held the D-backs to five hits. Struck out 10. A two-run homer for Pete Alonzo. He's already got 14 RBIs to lead the league. Mets host the Giants tonight. Yankee bats again quiet in Baltimore. The Orioles won 5 to nothing, scoring all five in the eighth inning. Yanks had only four hits, all singles. They struck out 10 times. In two losses to the lowly Orioles, they scored one run in 20 innings. Struck out 23 times. Yanks now 500 as they play tomorrow in Detroit. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Thank you, John. S&P futures now down 19 points. Dow futures down 80. NASDAQ futures lower by 86 points. And the 10-year Treasury is down 830 seconds. The yield 2.86% as we get ready for a busy week for earnings and Fed speak. Check in next with Lori Calvacina of RBC. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We've got frost advisories and freeze warnings in parts of the region this morning. Chance of late day rain today with a high near 55 degrees. Sunshine returns tomorrow. Highs in the mid 50s. Currently 41 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures moving lower this morning. Treasury yields rising as investors weigh the prospect of faster policy tightening by the Federal Reserve. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 19 points. Dow futures down 84. NASDAQ futures down 85. 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. Yield 2.86%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.48%. NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 56 cents at $106.44 a barrel. Comex gold up 1.1% or $21.90 at 19.9680 an ounce. The euro 1.0795 against the dollar. British pound 1.3017 and the yen 126.62. Looking at Bitcoin this morning down 3.5% at $38,877. And Bank of America is among companies scheduled to report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Ukrainian officials say Russian missile strikes on the western Ukrainian city of Lviv have killed six people. Lviv's regional governor said there were four strikes today. Chinese officials say three people have died from COVID-19 in Shanghai in the first reported deaths of the latest outbreak in the city. A health official said all three were elderly, had underlying diseases, and were unvaccinated. In game one of their NBA playoff series, the Celtics beat the Heat 115-114. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. Uh, I'm sorry, they beat the Nets. My apologies. Uh, Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. 
In more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. That's right. Don't upset the Islanders fans. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) No problem. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we get ready for a very busy week for investors. Let's bring in Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lots to get to this morning, Lori, not the least of which is earnings and more Fed speak. We're going to be hearing from uh, Chairman Powell at uh, two events before the blackout period begins at the end of the week. Do you think a 50 basis point rate hike gets sealed in this week? Uh, well, thanks for having me as always. And look, you know, I do try to stay away from the Fed forecast. We leave that to our, our economics team. Um, but I do think that that is the general expectation coming into the week. And we do think that perhaps we've seen set a peak Fed fear in equity markets. Um, if you look at the AAII net gold bear survey, um, it's basically been down, you know, sort of in recent weeks um, at very low levels. Um, some of those levels have rivaled some of the worst steps that we saw in the pandemic. We actually did a survey recently where we asked investors their view on the Fed, and it was a little bit funny. I mean, I guess not funny, too funny for market participants, but basically we found that nobody has faith in the Fed right now, but for different reasons. We found that about 47% thought they were going to tighten too much, but there was also a decent contingent that didn't think that they were going to do enough. So, you know, I think at this point the Fed's made nobody happy, but it does seem like, you know, sort of the, the expectations for a very, very aggressive move are baked in. Yeah, potentially adding to some of that sentiment is this uh, latest forecast from Goldman Sachs we're reporting on this morning. They're putting the odds of a recession in the next two years at 35 percent. Among the analysts that you're speaking to, Lori, what's the expectation on whether the Fed can pull off a soft landing? Sure. So, you know, I think that's what we're really sort of seeing in our survey results, that it's about, you know, sort of a little less than half think that they're going to do too much. And so it's kind of putting expectations for that soft landing in doubt, but I do think it's interesting that that has not crossed over to the 50% threshold. Um, I will also tell you that when I talk to my own analysts, and we've done some survey work there recently, so the people who cover individual stocks, um, the assessments are, of demand are still incredibly robust. Um, and, you know, I think that they're, we're seeing that come through on a lot of these earnings calls so far, including some of the early reporters. Um, and, I, and I think that it's, it's a real sort of conundrum for the market right now. There's a, there's a sense of logic prevailing right now saying it's going to be very tough for the Fed to pull this off. But I do think when we talk to analysts, when we do the bottom-up work, we will, really are reminded that the Fed is doing this from a position of strength from the U.S. economy for consumers and corporations. Now, you uh, led right into it very nicely, the conversation about earnings. We are going to be hearing from dozens of companies across many sectors this week, and obviously we've heard from most of the big banks. What's your assessment of how earnings season is going so far and how it could go as it plays out? So, you know, we we put a piece out last week saying this reporting season has the potential to be a mess, but it also has the potential to be less bad than feared. And I think that, you know, in terms of the mess, we'll get a good sense of that from industrial companies. Those are going to start to become in focus this week along with the financials. And I think operationally it was a very tough quarter for people. One of the things that I was struck by in some of the early reporters, not so much on the financial side but other sectors, was just how severe the workforce disruption was um, from Omicron and COVID. But we are also hearing from companies that, that things tend to seem to bounce back pretty quickly out of that. So I think that's one thing that we'll be looking for from the industrial companies. Just just color around that. But so far, I mean, even when we look at the banks, we're still seeing, you know, sort of very solid assessments 
of the state of the American consumer, of the state of the economy. We're not seeing any canaries in the coal mine, really, you know, just in terms of what we're hearing from companies so far on the economy. Is there a question about whether companies can maintain margins when inflation is at the levels that it's at right now? I think so, and I think that that is a a legitimate question that investors are asking. But what I would tell you, again, going back to our investor survey, 55%, and this was at the end of March, were telling me that they thought margins were going to contract over the next 6 to 12 months. Now, that is much more pessimistic than what we're seeing baked into sell-side consensus numbers right now. Sell-side consensus numbers are basically baking out a flattening over the next kind of year, year and a half, and some contraction in late 2023. So arguably the sell side still needs to adjust there, but the buy side, frankly, is already looking for that. So, again, it's a, it's a big concern, but it's hard to say it's not at least partially baked into stocks at this point. All right, Lori, as always, great to get your thoughts as we get set for, as I said, a really a busy week for traders. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets with us this morning. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are pulling back some with S&P futures down 24 points, Dow futures down 114. NASDAQ futures are lower by 108 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 8.30 seconds. The yield 2.86% on the 10-year note and the yield on the two-year right now, 2.48%. Looking at NYMEX crude, it's down a half percent at $106.39 a barrel. Just ahead, will President Biden visit Ukraine? And Bank of America wraps up big bank earnings, your top stories of the morning, coming up on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 Weather Frost Advisory for the northwest suburbs in central Long Island. Freeze warnings for the far northwest suburbs in eastern Long Island. That's all till 8 this morning. Right now, 41 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with the war in Ukraine, where Russian forces have encircled the port city of Mariupol, but defenders have yet to surrender. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin are at a dead end and told CNN this weekend he hopes for a visit from U.S. President Joe Biden. I think he will. And I think he, but it's, it's, no, no, I mean, it, it's his decision, of course, and, and about the safety situation, it depends. And Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky wants Biden to visit, but White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says neither the president nor Vice President Kamala Harris will make the trip. Well, meantime, in Washington, Karen, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell may reinforce sentiment the Fed will raise interest rates by half a percentage point next month. He is set to speak Thursday ahead of the U.S. Central Bank's quiet period. The Fed's next meeting begins May 3rd. 
As the Federal Reserve tightens monetary policy, one major bank says there's more than a one in three chance the U.S. will enter a recession. We get more live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. There's about a 35% risk of a recession over the next two years. That's according to Goldman Sachs. Economists there say the Fed's main challenge is to reduce the gap between jobs and workers and slow wage growth to a pace consistent with its 2% inflation goal. They say the Fed would need to do that by tightening financial conditions conditions enough to reduce job openings without sharply raising unemployment. But achieving a so-called soft landing may be tough. Historically, large declines in the gap in the U.S. have only occurred during recessions. And Goldman's chief economist says a recession is not inevitable because post-COVID normalizations in labor supply and durable goods prices will help the Fed. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Turning to Wall Street, a busy week of earnings. Nearly 70 companies in the S&P 500 report as Bank of America leads the way today. Investors will keep an eye on whether interest rates will start to affect consumer demand for loans. Well, Nathan, equity markets in much of Europe, along with Australia and Hong Kong, remain shut for Easter. Natural gas surged to a 13-year high, raising concerns about a global fuel crunch and long-term inflation. Oil reversed earlier gains. Right now, NYMEX crude oil is down a third of a percent, or 34 cents, at $106.61 a barrel. Futures are also lower. S&P futures down about 24 points right now. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 41 degrees in Central Park. We got a broken down vehicle southbound 684 by Route 116. We got the details in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Many New Yorkers are sharing their fears about crime. After last week's terrifying shooting of 10 people inside the New York City subway and a subsequent 30-hour manhunt, New York City Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell says that after the subway shooting, the NYPD will be putting a new emphasis on building greater ties with the community. We keep saying that public safety is a shared responsibility. This recent case illustrates just that, and everyone came together, so we need to build strength in our communities with the police. Mayor Eric Adams agrees with Commissioner Sewell and says crime is hurting big cities all across America. You know, I say over and over again, there are many rivers that feed uh, the sea of violence. Uh, this is a national issue. It's not a red state, blue state. In fact, red states are experiencing a higher murder, murder rate uh, than uh, blue states. Mayor Adams and Commissioner Sewell spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. New Jersey officials in Woodbridge are investigating a possible alarming link between cases of brain cancer and students and staff at Colonia High School. In the past three decades, 105 people have contracted brain tumors, about half of them cancerous. Environmental engineers are now testing the grounds for contamination. Dr. Arif Kamal is the chief patient officer for the American Cancer Society. I'm pretty concerned, and if I were uh, a parent or a community member, I, I would want to know a little bit more about what's happening. Brain tumors are relatively rare. Dr. Kamal says the results are expected at the end of the month. Philadelphia is bringing back mask mandates today. It comes as there's a steady increase in cases for the BA2 subvariant of COVID-19 noted in many states. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says just because this strain appears to be minor doesn't mean the threat from COVID as a whole disappears. The pandemic is not over. 
uh, as much as we all wish it were. Um, we've, we're in much, much better shape than we were, but we've got to keep plugging away. Dr. John also spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. It's only game one. It's only a first-round series, and yet a classic between the Celtics and Nets in Boston. A taste of what could be a long series. The Celtics up by 15 in the third quarter. Nets led by five in the fourth. Boston won at 115-114 on a Jason Tatum layup at the buzzer. Set up by a Marcus Smart pass. Tatum able to twist away from Kyrie Irving, who in defeat put on a show for Brooklyn in the fourth quarter. He scored 18 points, many of his shots with a high degree of difficulty. It's the playoffs, so there's a level of efficiency that you want to have uh, throughout the possessions that you're able to play uh, in a game like this. So I was just really zeroed in on what the mission was, what the goal was, and that was just to play our best basketball, weather the storm. Uh, deal with the ups and downs, know that they're going to make runs, we're going to make runs. Irving finished with 39, the ex-Celtic hurt from Boston fans, and Irving responded with a couple of middle-finger salutes. Game two, Wednesday in Boston, the Mets won 5 nothing. the Yankees lost 5 nothing. Mets and Diamondbacks scoreless until the sixth inning. Mets won it with a combined five-hit shutout, and they're now 7-3. and three. Yankees and Orioles scoreless until the eighth. Nestor Cortez, terrific on the mound for the Yanks, struck out 12 and five innings. They had an immaculate inning in the fourth. Three strikeouts on nine pitches. Cortez in two starts yet to allow a run, but the Orioles broke the scoreless tie on a pinch single by ex-Yank Rugnet Odor. Jonathan Loisega so good out of the bullpen last season. He's got an eight-and-a-half ERA this year, and the Yanks lose the series to the lowly Orioles. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York City residents in more than 3,000 buildings could be taking out their own trash soon. Doorman superintendents and other employees last week authorized their bargaining committee to call a strike. If they don't reach a collective bargaining agreement for the next four years, the current agreement ends on Wednesday. Regulators have approved a $4.5 billion transmission line that will deliver Canadian hydropower to New York City. This is part of the state's effort to eliminate carbon from its power grid by 2040. The 339-mile Champlain-Hudson Power Express is supposed to be finished in 2025. New Jersey's seen some success in attracting movie projects with a film and digital media tax credit program. The state says from its inception through this past February, it's distributed awards to more than 60 projects amounting to about $263 million. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, Ed, thanks. It's 538 on Wall Street and Bloomberg Radio and Television Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta is with us this morning to take a look at this market ahead of a uh, very busy start to the week here. Kriti, we're seeing futures moving lower, uh, leading the way, the tech-heavy Nasdaq futures and yields on the rise. Is this all about the Fed? It might be all about the Fed. It might be also about some specific heavyweighters inside the index. And you mentioned Nasdaq really leading here. Uh, t- let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about Tesla because those seem right. to be the heavyweighters when you look at simply those tech names that are moving underneath the hood and they could impact what's happening on the surface level, on the futures level, I should say. We should talk about Twitter, Nathan, as if there's a shortage of that commentary. <laughs> yeah, TWTR uh, for our audience, that's the ticker, up 1.3%. It was up as much as 4%, about 4% earlier in the session. This comes as Elon Musk – 
says the economic interests of the boards are not aligned with its shareholders. Twitter also setting up a shareholder rights plan in which if an investor acquires 15% of the stock without prior approval, it essentially ensures that anyone taking control of Twitter through open market accumulation does it with shareholders getting the appropriate premium. Essentially, they're getting what uh, they're bargained for, essentially, and no one's getting it cut off or ripped off for any matter. So anyways, that uh, ongoing bid has been boosting Twitter shares. TWTR up 1.3%. And on the same vein, let's talk about Tesla here. TSLA up uh, about half a percent. This comes after they may restart production at a Shanghai factory as soon as late afternoon Monday. So in just a couple of hours, that deadline does disappear. We know that officials in Shanghai have been encouraging companies to restart production. So let's see if Tesla joins the likes of Quanta Computer, for example, which makes laptops for Apple. And I'm going to end here, Nathan, with China and other Chinese uh, related stocks. Shares of DD Global tumbling by as much as 24%, now down 19%. DIDI is your ticker after the company said it's going to hold an extraordinary general meeting on May 23rd to vote on the delisting of shares from the New York Stock Exchange. That's another saga we'll keep an eye on. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta with us this morning. We'll be checking back with you in about an hour for an even broader look at the pre-market trade. Right now, S&P futures are moving lower by almost 24 points now. Dow futures down 111. NASDAQ futures, again, leading the declines this morning down 98 points or seven-tenths of 1%. And the 10-year Treasury yield 286 a drop of 8.30 seconds on the 10-year. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Frost advisories for the northwest suburbs and for central Long Island. We've got freeze warnings for the far northwest suburbs and eastern Long Island. All that till 8 a.m. Right now, 41 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning and Treasury yields are rising as investors weigh the prospect of faster policy tightening by the Federal Reserve. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures is down 23 points. Dow futures down 107. NASDAQ futures down 97. The 10-year Treasury down 830 seconds. Yield 2.86%. They yield on the two-year 2.48%. NYMEX crude oil is down four tenths percent or 43 cents at $106.52 a barrel. COMEX Gold is up 1.2% or $23 at 1997 90 an ounce. The Euro 1.0793 against the dollar. British pound 1.3015 and the yen is at 126.61. Bitcoin this morning lower down 3.3%. It's at $38,940. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The Russian military says about 2,500 Ukrainian fighters are still holding up inside a steel plant in the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. Ukrainian forces there defied Russian demands to surrender the plant. Officials say even though Mariupol remains under Ukrainian control, its residents are suffering unbearable conditions. North Korea says it has successfully test-launched a newly developed tactical guided weapon 
South Korea's military says it detected two launches. They are the latest in a series of tests by North Korea that outside experts say is meant to expand the country's nuclear arsenal. In game one of their NBA playoff series, the Celtics beat the Nets 115-114. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's just about 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we get ready for a very busy week for corporate earnings. It kicks off with the end of bank earnings season. Bank of America reports in just about an hour. It is, of course, the last of the major Wall Street firms to open their first quarter books. Let's get a preview now. Look at where things stand with uh, Bloomberg financial correspondent Shanali Basak back with us this morning. Shanali. Great, as always, to speak with you. And I guess for Bank of America, it's really all about what the outlook for lending growth is, right? Yeah. Well, Bank of America is supposed to benefit from this rising interest rate environment, expected to bring in more net interest income. But the reason we watch the banks is because they're really bellwethers to this economy. And anything that they say about concerns about the consumer as interest rates start to rise will be of key interest, especially after we've already heard the like of J.P. Morgan say that there are a lot of storm clouds on the horizon. So parsing through those risks is going to be key for investors. And for Bank of America specifically, it's really about the consumer loan growth that's that's really the factor for them as opposed to commercial loans, or am I wrong? That is right, but it is also true that Bank of America is one of the biggest underwriters on debt deals for corporate America, and we are seeing those deals start to bounce back after a really sluggish fourth quarter. Remember, that's also a bellwether for the economy. If corporations are borrowing at a healthy clip, they can keep investing at a healthy clip. And in the face of all of this uncertainty, that's a big question mark moving forward as well. And the big question mark adding to that is you would expect, as you say, that uh, higher interest rates would benefit the banks and allow them to uh, make more money on margins when it comes to loans. But if the interest rates get too high, that potentially puts a squeeze on whether customers are going to be able to afford those loans. So what kind of tea leaves have we gotten so far from the banks that have reported that, that could uh, give us an idea of what we hear from Bank of America? Different businesses morning? are doing differently. So if you look at credit card businesses, they are jumping back to a healthy degree. But mortgages, there was a, a incredible news last week about mortgages in the U.S. jumping to about 5%, yeah. the highest in about a decade or so. So you have a, a lot of fears there about the ability of consumers to afford loans, especially afford, affordable loans. It can. What will this look like for for lower income? brackets of society, is it going to get a lot tougher? What about for small businesses? That is something Bank of America is highly exposed to. And tougher times ahead uh, will beg the question of how they're going to navigate that while they themselves have cost pressures to contend with. And where does Bank of America stack up in terms of market share for those loans compared to the other banks? 
Interestingly, when you look at the consumer in the U.S., they are one of the biggest, of course. It's them and J.P. Morgan. But when you look at the the corporate America side of things, they are also one of the biggest. They they compete with J.P. Morgan very heavily. When you look at mergers and acquisitions, they're about uh, usually third or fourth. And so people think of Bank of America as a big consumer bank, but they certainly have a lot of exposure to corporate America and executives through their massive wealth management unit as well. And you did mention the- the uh, the issue of costs, the idea that uh, retaining talent, getting talent back into the office, that could be an issue as well. What are the expectations? What have we heard uh, from Brian Moynihan, the CEO, so far about that? Well, Bank of America was a little bit more delayed when it when you compare it to the likes of Goldman Sachs, which bought staff back very early on to bring people back to the office. But I also want to talk about this in terms of headcount as well, because Bank of America has actually had declining headcount over the last couple of quarters, whereas J.P. Morgan has increased their headcount. So how is Bank of America going to keep a handle on costs at a time where they've already been cutting headcount and the costs are going up. The revenue is supposed to, to uh, expected to rise for Bank of America, but the net income is expected to be under pressure. Now we met, talk, we've been talking so much about uh, the, the loan aspect of it, loan growth. Uh, in our last minute here, Shanali, what about the trading desks? Is that something that could add to Bank of America's bottom line, or or uh, do, do they not have as much exposure there? Well, the banks generally face declines in most of their business. Goldman Sachs was the big exception because they had such a outstanding presence when it came to commodities historically, and they've gained in that business. But generally, they could do better than expected, just as other banks have done, which would put them above Wall Street estimates if they were to get that far. Always good to talk with you, Shanali. Great speaking with you. Shanali Basic is our global financial correspondent for Bloomberg News, getting ready for Bank of America to report those earnings in just about an hour. When the numbers come down, we'll have them for you live right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 554 on Wall Street. Now a legal story we're watching this morning. President Joe Biden comes off the victory of Ketanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation to the Supreme Court with a backlog of lower court vacancies that don't have a pending nominee, including 19 circuit court seats. Biden moved quickly to fill judicial vacancies in his first year in office, but has put forward only one nomination since Justice Stephen Breyer announced plans to retire in late January. The White House must pick up the pace if it wants to fill judgeships prior to midterm elections that could end Democrats' narrow Senate majority. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Bloomberg Law reporter Madison Alder. Start by telling us how quickly Biden moved to fill judicial vacancies in his first year in office. In his first 12 months in office, Biden outpaced every president since John F. Kennedy with his appointments. He moved at a really record pace here, uh, even outpacing Trump, who definitely made judicial nominations a a priority. So Biden got off to a really good start in year one. In year two, he now had a Supreme Court vacancy to fill, and that took up a lot of time for the White House and for the Senate to deal with. So now Biden is looking at several vacancies at the circuit court level, about 19 that don't have a nomination pending. A lot of vacancies to fill this year, and that's made a little bit more difficult with midterms right around the corner. Does it appear as if the midterms, if the Republicans take back the Senate, how difficult is it going to be for Biden to get his nominees through? 
I'm glad you brought that up because that is really what is being people moving. The progressive groups that I've, I've spoken to are groups that watch judicial nominations, professors that watch judicial nominations, really say that that is the important factor here because if the Senate changes hands, there's a very high likelihood that um, nominations are going to become much more difficult for the administration. And Republicans have, have promised as much. Lindsey Graham kind of alluded to this during Jackson's vote in the committee. He said the process that the Democrats started will rear its head if Republicans are in charge and promised they would talk about judges differently. You know, that obviously remains to be seen what that would look like, but we can use the Obama administration as kind of a proxy, and Republicans really stymied Obama's judicial nominations efforts, and that definitely could happen with Biden as well. So it's been something that we've been talking about for Biden's entire administration of how much could they get done in these two years before midterms threaten Democrats' slim Senate majority. And that's Bloomberg Law Reporter Madison Alder speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures down about 24 points. Dow futures down 105 and NASDAQ futures down 99. The 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 2.86%. And the yield on the two-year is at 2.48%. NYMEX crude oil down 3 tenths percent. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.